0: Good day and welcome to the Pro Assurance Fourth Quarter Earnings Conference Call. Today's conference is being recorded. At this time, I'd like to turn the conference over to Mr. Frank O'Neill. Please go ahead, sir.
1: Thanks, Shelley. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for your interest and participation in our call to discuss Pro Assurance's fourth quarter and year end 2012 results. We need to handle a few legal points before we begin. On Tuesday, February nineteenth, twenty thirteen. We issued a news release reporting our results for the quarter and year ended December 31, 2012. Subsequently, we filed our 8K and our 2012 10K with the SEC. These documents and our other SEC filings provide important information about our company and our industry. Each discusses many important factors that could affect our future and thus cause our actual results to differ materially from current projections or expectations. Please read and understand these cautions and be aware that statements we make on this call dealing with projections, estimates, and expectations are explicitly identified as forward-looking statements, subject to the risks and other factors covered in those documents. Except as required by law or regulation, we will not undertake and expressly disclaim any obligation to update or alter information disclosed as part of those forward-looking statements. The content of this call is accurate only on Wednesday, February 20, 2013. We neither authorize nor review any transcripts you may obtain, so please know that a transcript may contain a factual or transcription error that could materially alter the intent or meaning of our statements. We will be referencing non-GAAP items in our call today. Please refer to our recent filing on Form 10-K and our recent news release for a reconciliation of these non-GAAP numbers to their GAAP counterparts. And this final note, all share and per share numbers in this call will reflect the two-for-one stock split that was effective December 27, 2012. Participating on the call today are our Chairman and CEO, Stan Starnes, Vic Adamo, our Vice Chairman, Chief Financial Officer Ned Rand, Howard Friedman, our Chief Underwriting Officer and Actuary, and Darrell Thomas, our Chief Claims Officer. Stan, your opening thoughts, please.
2: Thanks, Frank. I want to preface our discussion this morning by noting some of the remarkable successes from 2012. We received a remarkable return on equity of 12.4%. We continued our unblemished record of increasing book value per share in every year since we became a public company in 1991, or 20 years ago. We did so while returning a little more than 6% of our capital to investors in a special dividend and while increasing the yield on our stock to approximately two percent by effectively doubling our dividend when we split our stock and maintained the per share payout amount in terms of net income and operating income this was a stellar year indeed the second best in assurance history we strengthened the balance sheet that secures the future of our insurers we completed two acquisitions that hold the promise of profitable top-line growth at a time when companies in our niche of insurance are struggling to add premium, and we did so at a reasonable price. All of this helped to drive a total return of 13.5% for our shareholders. Finally, I want to underscore once again the discipline and rigor which we operate our business and note the positive results we have achieved by executing our long-term strategy. And with that, Frank.
1: Thanks, Stan. We're going to ask Ned Rand and Howard Friedman to present an overview of
3: our results. We'll start with Ned. Thank you, Frank. Let me provide a brief summary of fourth quarter results before Howard discusses the current state of the market. Gross premiums written were $107 million in the fourth quarter, a decline of about $8 million over last year's fourth quarter. Market forces accounted for almost all of that change. Net premiums earned were $156 million versus $162 million in the fourth quarter of 2011. The difference there is 4%, and we continue to believe that net earned may be a better measure of our premium trend, given the effect of the two-year policies on written premiums. Howard, it might be helpful for you to comment on competition, pricing, and retention.
4: Sure, Ned. I'll characterize the market as quite competitive, but essentially unchanged in that regard over the course of the year. In medical professional liability, the level and intensity of the competition varies from state to state, but seems more rational than what we have witnessed in previous cycles. There are various theories for that, such as better information or more experienced management teams or fewer new market entrants. The bottom line is that for the year, our retention was higher, our pricing was up, and new business was down. All of this reflects our consistent approach to the market writing business that meets our underwriting standards and our pricing requirements. As to specifics, average renewal pricing in our physician book was higher for the year, an increase of 1% for 2012 compared with a decline of 1% for 2011. In the fourth quarter, average renewal pricing was unchanged. Our podiatric rates continued to firm and were primarily responsible for the improvement in the average renewal pricing for the year. Retention in our physician book was 90%, a point higher than in 2011, and was 89% in the fourth quarter compared to 87% in the fourth quarter of 2011. For the record, we did write $9 million of new physician business in 2012. Our MedMark executives report that rates in medical devices and life sciences continued to firm modestly, although that premium is not yet reflected in our results. Changing topics, let me also address reserve development. Net favorable loss reserve development was $115 million in the quarter, compared to $184 million in fourth quarter 2011. That brings net favorable development for the year to $272 million, compared to $326 million in 2011. While this year's reserve development is not as large as last year's in absolute terms, It compares favorably with development trends in the past five years in relative terms as a percentage of total reserves 2012 is two percentage points below the level of release from 2011. favorable development continues to be driven by stable loss severity levels that are proving to be better than our expectations severity is increasing two percent to three percent per year and the overall frequency trend is flat, although we are seeing more variation this year and we are watching that closely. But in the aggregate, we see nothing to drive a significant change from current loss trends. While I'm on the subject of reserves, let me mention the change in the current accident year net loss ratio in the fourth quarter. In 2011, that ratio was 91.5 percent and it was 76.8 percent in this year's fourth quarter. A large portion of the difference is related to the reserves established for death, Disability and Retirement, or DDR. Last year, the DDR reserve adjustment added 13 points to the current accident year loss ratio in the quarter. In contrast, the DDR adjustment provided a decrease of just over a point in the fourth quarter of 2012. The DDR reserve estimate can vary from year to year and often introduces some volatility in the fourth quarter which is when we record DDR adjustments. Both years also contain some other true-up adjustments during the fourth quarter, as well as the effect of retrospective reinsurance premium adjustments on the premium base. None of these items indicates a change in our basic loss-reserving philosophy. Ned?
3: Thanks, Howard. Now let's turn from underwriting results to our investment results. In the fourth quarter, our net investment result was unchanged compared to the prior year. For the year, the net investment result was down 2 percent due to both lower balances and lower yields in our fixed income investments. Bright spots have been better results in our unconsolidated subsidiaries and higher income from our equity portfolio, where we added high-quality dividend-paying equities. On the expense side of the ledger, underwriting, policy acquisition, and operating expenses for both the quarter and the year were essentially flat cash flow from operations was $30 million, down from $53 million in, the last, in last year's fourth quarter. This is primarily due to the timing of payments related to the swing provisions of our reinsurance treaties, and there were tax refunds in 2011, mostly related to American physicians, that provided a one-time increase to cash flow in the fourth quarter 2011. All in, net income was $101 million, or $1.64 per diluted share in the quarter. And was $275 million for the year, or $4.46 per diluted share. Operating income for the fourth quarter was $97 million, or $1.56 per diluted share, and $257 million for the year, or $4.16 per diluted share. I'll touch on two ratios we think are important as a measure of what we accomplished this year by executing our long-term strategy. Return on equity for the year was 12.4%, within our range of a long-term target. Our combined ratio was 57.1% for the year. We are especially pleased to have continued our unbroken string of increased book value per share in every year we have been a public company. This year, we grew book value per share by 4% to $36.85, split our stock two-for-one on December 27th, and paid a $2.50 per share special dividend following that split. One final note. We mentioned in the news release that we accessed our existing credit facility in the quarter, borrowing $125 million to fund the MedMark transaction and to use for other corporate purposes. We initially intended to liquidate investments for that purpose, but our analysis showed it to be more advantageous to retain the investments, which yield a higher return than the cost of borrowing. As the investments securing the loan mature, we will use those proceeds to pay down the credit facility. Frank. Thanks, Ned.
1: Howard, any other developments in the year that you'd like to highlight?
4: Yes, Frank. Uh, I'd like to mention our progress in the Certitude Program with Ascension Health. We are now working in five states, Michigan, Florida, Illinois, Indiana, and Texas, and we are particularly enthused about the response from our rollout in Illinois. In total, we now have more than $15 million of enforced premium in the program. We are pleased with the level of retention and are appreciative for the level of support we are receiving from Ascension Health, our partner in certitude. We expect to expand in our existing states and open additional states in 2013, but we will not identify those states for competitive reasons.
1: Thanks, Ned and Howard. The lost trends that Howard mentioned are most readily evident in claims. Gerald Thomas, our Chief Claims Officer, is here to give us a recap of important claim statistics from 2012. Carol. Thank you, Frank. The number of new claims opened up
5: slightly over 2011, but to put that in perspective, the number of new claims opened last year was the second lowest in the last 10 years. We saw a corresponding increase in the number of closed claims in 2012 as compared to 2011. So our ending inventory of open claims was essentially unchanged year to year which reinforces the data regarding the continuation of the benign claims environment. We continue to be aggressive in our defense of non-meritorious claims. We tried 319 individual claims to a verdict, a 17% increase over 2011. Importantly, we are still trying the same percentage of open claims to a verdict as we have historically. This is all reflective of the significant decline in claims filed in the past five years. The benefit for us is that this allows our claims staff to devote more time to each claim. Also, our claims staff makes a real difference in our group sales effort because they can convey the absolute advantage of our claims philosophy during meetings with, our, with renewal accounts and prospective customers. Our trial win ratio was 75% this year, essentially unchanged year over year. Given the significant number of claims we take to trial each year, including tough claims that our competitors generally settle, we believe that is a terrific result, the one that benefits our insureds
1: as well as our shareholders. Frank? Thanks, Daryl. Mm-hmm. We've closed two transactions since our last call in November. Vic, you work closely with independent Nevada physicians. Can you give us an update? Sure, Frank. The Nevada transaction with IND closed as expected at the end of November, but none of the IND premium appears in our 2012 results. On a statutory basis, IND had gross written premiums of $11.5 million in 2012. The combination of IND, the largest writer in Nevada, with the national balance sheet and expertise of ProAssurance is opening up new opportunities for our Nevada agents. They now have a company with the products, financial size, and ratings that allow them to approach a broader range of risks, including the large integrated healthcare risks that are emerging in Nevada. We are also expanding the pro-assurance claim staff in Nevada, which is demonstrating our long-term commitment to the state. So, Frank, we are confident in our ability to grow our market presence in Nevada. Thanks, Vic. Ned, you've been the point person on MedMark.
3: Will you update us there? Sure, Frank. For the record, MedMark wrote $41.6 million in gross premiums on a statutory basis in 2012. 32.1 32.1 million in life sciences and medical technology, and 9.5 million in lawyers professional. We closed the transaction with MedMark effective January 1st, and the combined organization has hit the ground running. Recall that MedMark will continue to operate as it has, but now with the greater financial strength and operational flexibility of Pro Assurance behind it. <clears throat> Anecdotally, We hear that being a part of ProAssurance, with our balance sheet strength and strong ratings, has already enabled MedMark to reopen some doors that have been closed to them over the past few years. We also see a great deal of excitement in our existing agent and broker network as they learn more about MedMark's broad reach and unchallenged expertise in life sciences and medical devices. We have also seen a number of examples of cross-selling opportunities that have become apparent as our sales and marketing staff have had a chance to work together. Thanks, gentlemen. Stan, any final comments before we take questions? Thanks, Frank.
2: From these reports, you see the picture of a company that enjoyed an extremely successful year. We strengthened our balance sheet, lived up to the insurance promises we made to our insureds, grew book value per share, and rewarded our shareholders with a meaningful increase in share value and a solid total return. We demonstrated that our vision of a company with a long-term focus can succeed in a challenging environment, especially when that plan is executed through the promise of treated fairly by dedicated employees and local agents, loyal agents, who bring enthusiasm and intensity to their job every day. As I look ahead to this coming year, I'm excited for a number of reasons. First, we will see additional growth in premium as a result of bringing IND and MedMark into the Pro Assurance family. Both are off to a great start as part of our larger organization. We have traction in our certitude program with Ascension Health, and I am confident that it will continue to grow. Remember, as I have said many times, it is something that will start small, but eventually will become something much greater as we bring new states and new ministries into this program. And we are seeing growth in our hospital programs and with national accounts. Our deep experience in writing hospitals and large healthcare systems, our broad geographic reach and our substantial balance sheet, coupled with our significant experience in ensuring both positions in hospitals, help make us the company best positioned to beat the needs of these systems today and to take advantage of the coming opportunities. I think the true picture of our success in this segment of our market will emerge over the next four to five years. But I am confident we are building a strong bridge to that success with every passing day. The M&A market shows signs of greater activity, as you have seen in the past month or so. That plays to our strength as well. So I think our future is as bright as our past, and I am more excited now about the prospects for our future than at any time since I became the CEO in 2007.
1: Frank, why not take questions? All right. Uh, Shelly, that concludes our prepared remarks. Will you open the line for questions?
0: Thank you. If you'd like to ask a question, please signal by pressing star 1 on your telephone keypad. If you are using a speakerphone, please make sure your mute function is turned off to allow your signal to reach our equipment. Again, press star 1 to ask a question. We'll pause for just a moment to allow everyone an opportunity to signal for questions. And our first question is from Mark Hughes with trust
4: morning yeah, thank mark. you good, uh, good morning Howard what should we think about uh, for the current accident year loss tick for uh, for this year um, obviously fourth quarter was uh, down should we think about uh, extending the average or should it uh, look more like the fourth quarter
2: yeah I would say mark
4: that uh, extending the average is, is much more representative the fourth quarter as I mentioned during the, the prepared remarks um you know always has some noise in it from a variety of, of sources but fundamentally if you if you look at where we started the fourth quarter before we made the various adjustments it was a continuation of what we had seen throughout the year you know just with the normal variation for mix of business by state or or a layer of coverage and I would not really anticipate anything changing going forward we're still underwriting and pricing as we had previously and and therefore the loss uh, estimates should be more or less in line with the longer-term average. Okay. Any observations on the pricing in the fourth quarter? Um, it moved up a little bit uh, last quarter. It kind of went back to flat. Uh, flat. I know these are small variations, but anything you noticed in the fourth quarter with respect to the competition? No, no not, I wouldn't say anything significant. The competition is, remains you know, quite intense, as we pointed out earlier, um, but no no real change in the in the environment that I could point to. You know, we always have the variation by quarter. And again, that, that goes back very much to the pattern of renewals. Uh, if, if you look at the distribution of renewals by state, for example, it varies from quarter to quarter. So if we have some states where we may have a uh, a filed rate change up or down, that could affect a given quarter, uh, whereas it wouldn't affect another quarter. So no no particular changes there either. Okay. And then uh, on the M&A front, uh, showing signs of more activity, is that just a recognition of the two deals you've closed here lately, or is there more potential deal flow? And if so, any uh, anything behind that we should know about?
2: You know, Mark, I think it's a reflection of the fact that we were able to Announce uh, and, and close two deals uh, in the fourth quarter and early in the month of January of 2013. I think it's also a reflection of the fact of what you've seen in the public market announcements over the last month. Uh, be mindful that the, the the transactions are quite episodic. You cannot make them happen. Uh, you can be available uh, when there is interest. Uh, we never go anywhere uninvited, and we take a, a very long-term view of, of sort of the, the transactional uh, agenda. Uh, we think as this economy perhaps begins to improve that there will be opportunities. We think there will even be more opportunities in the years ahead uh, because of the changes that are coming in health care. Those changes are going to uh, produce an environment in which there is uh, much greater benefit from having a wide geographic reach such as we have at ProAssurance. And there is great benefit uh, from having a very strong balance sheet, which we have as Pro Insurance. And that's, you know, we have these calls quarter to quarter, but one thing we look at is the long term. And in the long term, there is nothing more important than capital to take advantage of the opportunities that are coming to you. Uh, So our view of of transactions is is a long term view. And uh, my guess is that we'll see more transactions in the years ahead. And my guess is that, and it's just a guess, uh, that the uh, the opportunities for transactions will accelerate in pace in the coming years. Thank you.
0: And again, it is star one to ask a question. And we'll go to Ray Iardella with Macquarie.
6: Hi, good morning. This is actually Chris Mamone calling for Ray. Um, thanks for taking the call. Um, hoping maybe to um, expand a little bit on the previous question. I know um you know the pricing uh, environment is a little flat and given the competition maybe you could just talk about what the um sort of top line outlook for the for the year is um excluding the impact of um the two recent acquisitions and along those lines um you know where where retentions are expected to uh, to fluctuate around roughly
2: Uh, Chris, I'll let Howard respond to the specifics, but but first it might be helpful just to recall our overarching view with respect to top line. Uh, This is an industry in which you can have all the market share you want. Uh, Remember, we have to put a price on our product years before we know what it's going to cost. So it's very easy to delude yourself uh, into uh, uh, approaching pricing in a way that results in inadequate pricing but won't be reflected in your results for several years. So one of our hallmarks is that, uh, you know, we buy, uh, we sell a risk. In other words, we take the risk from the policyholder and we do it at a price. It is essential that we obtain what we feel is an adequate price for the risk or we won't take the risk. So we are not a top-line organization. We recognize that there are some organizations that are top-line, and unfortunately, the the landscape of the past 30 years is littered with the corpses of companies that decided to be top-line. Because we're not a quarter-to-quarter company, and indeed, even a year-to-year company, we try to be very disciplined in our pricing, because that's the only way that we can provide the financial strength that our shareholders uh, insist on and that our policyholders are entitled to. So as we have opportunities for top-line growth at adequate pricing, we will aggressively pursue them. But in the absence of those opportunities, we are content to see our top-line shrink until there are opportunities to grow with adequate pricing. In my view, that's how you get to have an organization that has $2.3 billion of equity. Howard?
4: Yeah, and just talking a little bit about the the numbers, uh, you know, if you look back, by the quarters, but certainly if you look back over the last few years, our retention has moved more or less between 88 and 91 percent, and varying from quarter to quarter and, and year to year. And, and the, the renewal pricing uh, has basically been from minus two to plus two, uh, again, with a lot of variation, but within that range. And, and that's where we you know, intend to try to keep it. Uh, we, we look at that pretty carefully on a monthly basis adjust where we can, and, and you always have variations when you write uh, a renewal or, or don't write it and, and what effect that has on the retention ratio. But those are the, the general targets that we're trying to achieve.
6: Sure. No, that's that's helpful, and I, I can appreciate um, all of the uh, comments within those responses. I, I guess um, maybe what might be helpful building off of um, Building off that, and I know M&A was just mentioned in the previous question, um, and I understand the episodic nature of M&A transactions, but perhaps maybe um, if there is anything to comment on, um, you could talk about the pipeline and or the appetite, um, especially in light of uh a potentially contracting top-line environment, um, the appetite and availability of maybe ancillary businesses um, outside of the core medical professional liability space um, in you know in the near to intermediate term.
2: Yeah, you know, there, I, I wouldn't say there is a pipeline. I would say there is an appetite, and as healthcare changes we think it's going to be important for us to be in a position to respond uh, to the needs of, of, of the healthcare care industry. Uh, that's what prompted our acquisition of Medmark, for example, because that extends our product line into an area of healthcare uh, care which, into which we previously had not ventured. That's what prompted our uh, transaction a few years ago with Midcontinent in order to enable us to aggregate and underwrite home health care providers as healthcare care is pushed down to lower and lower provider levels and uh, to the provision of health care off-site in people's homes. So as, as time evolves, we expect uh, to offer products along the entire spectrum of healthcare, care, and we think these opportunities present themselves that are of a MedMark-type opportunity, that is, to, to extend our product line beyond sort of the traditional medical products liability, we want to be in a position to take advantage of those opportunities, uh, and, and we think there will be many of those in the future. Now, you can't, you can't put a timeline on them. You can't predict them. You can't make them happen, uh, but our view is that in the coming years, we will have those opportunities, and we are willing to do them at a prudent price, uh, and that will provide meaningful uh, and appropriate top-line growth for us as opposed to increasing top-line growth by extending business at inadequate pricing, which is just a recipe for a major problem down the road.
6: Great. Thanks very much for your answers. Thank you.
0: And our next question is from Paul Newsom with Sandler O'Neill.
7: Good morning, um, everyone. Thanks for the call. I've I've got... um, uh, two questions. One's a real simple one, and, and one is a little bit more complicated. The simple one is just if you could give us kind of an update on the broad legal environment from a, you know, tort reform, et cetera, perspective, if there's been any other change. My, my second question is a little bit more uh, complicated, in that, um, bear with me, I'm not sure I can say it exactly the way I want to, but. Um, what I'm curious about is if there's a change in the advantage or disadvantage of having a, a more of a national or multi-state uh, footprint. Given that we've seen this, you know, really amazing consolidation in the provider networks, I'm guessing, and maybe I don't, I just don't know the answer to this, that we're going to see more uh, multi-state groups that would require multi-state approaches to the business, and is that eroding a business that historically has been very, very much state by state?
2: Paul, with respect to tort reform, uh, it continues, as it always has, to be a state by state issue, Uh, and it's difficult to talk about it in any monolithic sense. Uh, Perhaps the day will come and we hope it will, where you'll have some meaningful federal tort reform to apply throughout the system. Uh, but that appears doubtful for us, at least in the foreseeable future. That, that means that tort reform will be played out on a state-by-state basis across the United States. And it's, it's, it's an effort that will never be over. Uh, the plaintiffs' bar will never cease their efforts to have that tort reform that has been passed declared unconstitutional. And presumably and hopefully organized medicine will never cease in its efforts to have the tort system refined in a way that will make it uh, more fair to physicians and more predictable uh, to health care providers. So I think you just have to talk about tort reform on a state-by-state basis. We saw some some movement last year in in Georgia and Missouri. Uh, The the Florida bill is before the Florida Supreme Court now. and and we're awaiting some decision there, and you just have to talk about it state by state. It it is important, in in my view, for this country, if we are to have meaningful access to care, for us to have a tort system that that treats the health care providers with fairness and with predictability. Uh, Moving on to your other uh, questions. the the environment of health care is changing. It is changing rapidly. It is changing at a pace that is accelerating. Uh, Those of us in this room and on this call do not have the collective imaginations to know what health care will look like in in five years or so. As you say, integration is continuing. Uh, It is crossing state lines. It is crossing specialty lines. Uh, and, and we think that is going to continue pace, and we think that provides assurance with really very unique advantages in the years to come. As you know, historically, this is been kind a of state-by-state business. Most of the companies in this space were started as mutual companies uh, 20 and 30 years ago, and they remain that. Many of them remain one in two state organizations, and they do a great job of what they're doing for their physician customers, and they have played a very, very important role over the last 20 to 30 years. Uh, Those companies are waking up every day to seeing groups that are crossing state lines in which they do not operate. They're waking up to seeing multi-specialty groups. They're waking up to see a lot of their physician base going into hospitals, and we're the same way. I mean, it's affecting all companies that way. And we think to be a significant provider of this type of coverage in the future, You're going to have to have a wide geographic footprint, and you're going to have to have a strong balance sheet. And by strong balance sheet, I don't mean top line, I mean capital. And that will present us with lots of opportunities in the future. And I think it will present us with lots of opportunities to partner with some of these uh, one- and two-state companies, which, as I say, do a great job, and they'll be able to even do a better job when they're part of a larger organization. So we look forward to that as it develops.
7: So that imply that at some point a, a, a national 50-state license uh, platform is, is in the future?
2: We already are, and uh, between our various statutory companies, we enjoy licenses uh, in every state, and we write products of one sort or another in virtually every state. So we have the platform in, in place uh, that we need to do that. Uh, What you see most of the, and of course none of us can predict the future, but what you see most of the debate about today is not whether integration is going to occur, but whether what is going to be the form of integration. Uh, But it already is multi-state and multi-specialty, and we think that will continue. Thank you.
1: Thank you.
0: And there are no further questions at this time.
1: All right, well, we thank you all for your interest, and we will speak with you again in May.
0: And this concludes today's presentation. We thank you for your participation.